and here we go. How's everybody doing? I am Lauren Lemunyan, the Spitfire Coach, and I'm here today to share some of the insights that I have seen over the last five years of being a full-time coach, uh, observations I've made with my clients. Uh, some are coaches, some are not. So even if you are not a coach today, we're going to have some universal principles and awareness for you to learn more about yourself and how fear shows up and what to do about it. So if you guys can hear me, just go ahead and hit in the chat box, yes, if you're ready to go, whatever you wanna say that's yes or hallelujah or whatever, <laughs> whatever comes up for you, feel free to use that chat box. It's in the more section. Uh, all right, Tiffany's ready. She says, yes, let's roll. Awesome, Lori's ready. <laughs> I love the energy guys. And Sarah's ready, very cool. So. I'm all about managing expectations and having shared expectations. So here is what we're gonna do today. We're gonna make our screen work. Yes, there we go. So today we're gonna cover where and how fear shows up. Fear shows up differently for, for everybody. But if we look at it as general root causes, then we can know how to deal with it. We're also going to talk about the five signs of fear in your coaching. So even if you are not a certified coach, there are opportunities in your life where you can show up as a coach, where you can use coaching tactics. And so even if the language that we're talking about or certain situations and scenarios aren't exactly what you do, have an open mind, we can adjust, we can be flexible, and we can apply them in different ways. So we're going to talk about the five signs of fear. And if you've seen any of the videos that I've created, uh, we're talking about all of those things, and we're going to dive deeper into some situations that I've experienced and that I've seen happen with others, either people that I've talked to as colleagues or as people that I've coached. And then we're going to dive into five different ways to manage the fears. So I may talk about this while we're in the signs, or we may talk about it on our way out. So we're going to keep this free flow. We're going to keep this open and honest. But first, before we get started, I just want to center our energy because I know that we've got a lot going on. I know that there is a lot of stuff happening in the world. We've got uh, internal and external fires happening around the world. Uh, whether we are afraid of job security, whether we're afraid of judgment and criticism and racism and, and environmental issues, I just want to make sure that we are all present right now for the next hour. And I know that's an, a lot to ask, but I just want to center you into your breathing. So if you can just take a deep breath in through your nose and hold it and just exhale through your mouth. Let's do that again, guys. That felt good. And whatever's happening around you, I just want you to say, not right now, I'll get to you later. Okay? So now that we've chilled out, let's get rubbed up. All right? So let's go ahead and we're gonna talk about me a little bit. <laughs> I don't like talking about myself and that probably surprises people. Um, but this is me with my partner, Justin. Uh, and I don't know if you're connected with me on social media, but somehow we have been getting some amazing press. Uh, we've been on CNN, Al Jazeera, Reuters, PBS, Yahoo News, Parade Magazine, Washington Post twice, uh, and wa the Washingtonian, uh, as well as Washington Luxury Magazine. Yes, that's a thing. Um, in addition to performing in our living room, which I'm kind of doing right now, I have been coaching since 
full-time since 2016 after leaving an 11-year career as an executive director in association management. Uh, and since then, I have logged over 2,000 coaching hours. So I have worked with lots of different people in many different arenas. And I like to bring all of these principles together because it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're a student or you're thinking about going to school, everyone is experiencing very similar issues. How it manifests is different, but I wanna just create this shared understanding that you're not alone in what you're afraid of, you're not alone in what you're experiencing, and we can all learn and grow from one another. So let's talk about fear. Now, if you're here, I'm assuming that you've had some fear show up. So in the chat box, I want you to just express what you're most afraid of. And I'm gonna ask you to be really courageous and vulnerable right now. So what are you afraid of? I can share my stuff if you want. <laughs> so for me, the fear of being judged and being exposed uh, has really shown up for me in the last couple months. And that's actually what uh, inspired me to do this webinar. So I'm afraid of people thinking that I'm uh, inexperienced or untalented. Uh, I'm afraid of talking about politics in public. Yes, uh, not producing results uh, in my clients. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we're gonna be talking about. Not the politics part. Um, not having insurance if I go full-time. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about details that we're gonna talk about today. Fear of the radical changes we're facing business and personal, not being able to add enough value, failing in my business, afraid of not having enough together in my own life, not walking the talk, people seeing me vulnerable and then maybe failing. Yeah, absolutely guys. Like I, I just got goosebumps on my arms because this is happening everywhere and, and we're so used to just kind of burying it um, that we think we're the only ones having to work a nine to five for the next 25 years. Yeah, these are all valid fears. And this is the first step is acknowledging that the fear is there. So let's talk about acronyms. I'm a big fan of acronyms. Uh, I was thinking of this the other day. What does fear represent? And so this is what came up for me. Forget everything and react, meaning forget everything you know to be true. Forget everything that you've done in the past. Forget everything that could work and just react. That's what fear tells us to do. It tells us to be protected. It tells us to be safe and small. It says, don't do anything different. We don't know what's on the other side. And so we become reactive. We could, we could be afraid and hide. We could get angry and react to protect ourselves. Or we can just kind of be like hanging out and frozen. And I think that third F is what we forget is it's not always about fight or flight, but sometimes we're just frozen in place and we feel like we can't move forward. So let's talk about where fear shows up. So we've got some coaches on this webinar right now. So you guys are familiar with the mindset cycle where we have a belief system that affects our thoughts, which affects our emotions, and affects our actions. And those actions feed back into our belief system. So where do you think fear shows up within these four? Let's use the chat box there. Where do you think it shows up? Thoughts, all of them. All of them, all of them, all of them. Yes, you guys are all right. <laughs> they show up everywhere. And if we're not aware of it, this becomes 
a spiral effect. So imagine that you're kind of just like looping around in a circle. Everything feels very manageable. We got this. Everything's good. And then fear shows up. It could show up in your belief system and a thought, the emotions, the actions. And then it starts to pick up this pace where we feel like we're out of control. If you've ever been like in a tilt-a-whirl, it's this, this feeling like we can't make it stop, that it just keeps going and we feel powerless. And soon our emotions are making us do things that feel like an out-of-body experience. And we're like, what's happening? Why is this? I don't like this. Make it stop. But this belief system keeps fueling it from our past. Maybe we've had a bad interaction with someone. Maybe we've, we, we grew up poor. Maybe we have feelings around scarcity with money. Maybe we don't have an example of success in our family. Maybe we've seen people as being successful as, as cheating the system or as not being honest. Um, whatever it is, it's completely true for you because it's what shows up. So first we have to realize, is fear making an appearance? And that's why we're talking about the five signs because we have to first acknowledge what it is. We have to identify what it is before we know what to deal with it. And I think this is the biggest issue is that people see fear as a bad thing and then they wanna make it go away. So they try to just say, I'm not afraid. Fear's not the boss of me. I don't live in my fear. And before we know it, fear has just slid right into the driver's seat and it's got its foot on the accelerator and it says, back up. I got this. And so we, what we want to do is, is say, well, what are you doing here? What's really going on? And what can I do with you? So we're going to talk about the signs. We're going to talk about the things that are showing up for you and what you want to do with it. Because this is ultimately about you. How do you want things to be different? So these are the five signs that your fear is showing up in coaching. And again, if you're not a coach, uh, insert leader with coaching or leading or managing and and i think you'll get the point so sign number one is making it all about you and this this is an interesting one because even talking about these signs um full transparency i signed up for someone to help me with webinars and what it did was completely stoke the fire of my fear and not in the way that I thought it would. What it really was pushing a button on is I didn't want to make it all about me. That's not the kind of coach I am or want to be represented up because I see it as a sign of fear. Now, there are tons of people out there that make it all about them. They are master marketers. Look at the results I got for somebody. Look at what I did for this person. And it becomes so ego-driven that you forget that it's not all about this person, that it's actually about the service and the transformation that we create for other people. So this shows up in discovery calls. This shows up in keynote speeches. This shows up in any potential communication. It's just what's swirling around because what it really is, is fear of judgment, fear of rejection, and fear of inadequacy. There are probably some other fears that are looped into this, but it's a projection of our insecurities. When someone makes it all about them, they're trying to control the narrative. They're trying to say, look at all of these things and please ignore these things that I'm trying to hide about myself. Please don't look over there. It's like, we're trying to spotlight it 
but all of the attention is kind of going, well, why, why are you talking about yourself so much? Why are you not hearing me or listening to me? So it's this whole feeling of like, I've got to make it all about me because I can't let them judge me. So I'm going to take up all of the space. I'm going to project it and I'm going to tell you what you're going to think about me. Has this shown up for any of you? Have you seen this anywhere? Let me know. This is, this is an open judgment-free space. I know that I am guilty of this. I, when I'm feeling really insecure, I make it all about me and I'm like, oh, I know I'm doing it. How do I stop this? So here's, here's the real effects of what's happening. It's affecting your business because prospective clients don't feel heard. And you're not going to get the clients you want. If you're making it all about you and the results that you're getting, they are expecting you to make the same thing happen for them. And so if they're not getting the results, they're probably not renewing or signing on with you. And if you make it all about you, you're missing such an opportunity to hear the client, to see what it is they actually want and need. And it prevents collaboration. If it's one-sided, it's not a two-way street. So your clients then get into this dynamic, this relationship with you where they're expecting you to tell them what to do because you told them what you do for yourself. And they're like, well, that's what you do. You got to make it. You got to do that same thing for me. If you made six figures, make that happen for me. And the agenda becomes yours and not theirs. And if you are an ICF certified coach, this is one of those core competencies that you have to be aware of because when it's not about the client, when it's not client focused, then you start sliding into a consultant. You start sliding into a vendor or a provider of a service. You are no longer in that coaching role. So when that happens, you're not going to get those same impacts with your clients because it's become about you and not about them. And so then your clients are, are you've painted this picture of how wonderful it's going to be when they work with you but then they're not getting that same result because you haven't taken the time or you're not creating the space to actually hear them. And then you don't know what they actually have as an expectation. So they're going to feel frustrated and unheard and they're going to be super duper dependent on you. So you're going to get a ton of emails, a ton of text messages, uh, lots of worry, lots of fear that you're going to then stoke from, from your clients. And I had this come up. Um, just this past week because I signed on with someone and I felt like they had this whole plan in place, but I realized that they didn't take the time to see, does that really fit with what you want? Is this actually what you want to create? And after I had given my money to them and went through the process, did everything I was supposed to do, I said, whoa, 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 this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel in alignment with me. And they're like, no, no, trust us. It's fine. Follow our process. I'm like, but it doesn't work for me. And so I actually pulled the plug and said, nope, I'm going to trust my gut. But that was my fear telling me they don't hear you. You don't feel heard. And that's a big value misalignment. And there are tons of people out there that are doing this. And April, I see, yeah, the coach I, work, I used to work with did this. There are a lot of people who use the coaching name that are actually acting as consultants or they're acting as someone that's a plug and play. If they are not working with you in a way that customizes it to your alignment, to your values, to your goals, then you are in their system. And 
absolutely, Rebecca. That's why you're an intuition coach. Like you have to know what your gut says. And when we're in our fear, we tend to rely on other people to show us the answer, the right answer, the thing we're supposed to do. And then we are not in the driver's seat. We're not in control. So this is a two-way thing where someone else making it about them can actually activate us in a way that makes us go into a stress reaction where we're not feeling like we're in control of things. And that's where the resentment really starts to build up. And, and Rebecca does an amazing job with the resentment release. I took her course. It was awesome. Um, but this is where it builds up because we give away our power and then we're pissed that we gave it away. All right. I feel like we, we totally went into that one. So we're, we're going to talk about now this. I had this lower on the list, but I think it's super important to talk about under pricing show of hands who feels like they are charging what they deserve or more who feels like they're getting they're getting more than what they deserve who feels like they are spot on with their pricing let's see sometimes sometimes not not at this time yeah this is a huge issue definitely undercharge rebecca feels good about her pricing awesome so underpricing shows up when we are in the story of the other person we can spend so much time building out our menu of services looking at our hourly rate creating packages but something happens when we're on a discovery call when we're having those those presentations or those proposal talks where if we get the sense that someone doesn't value us, we lose our power. We say, oh, no, no, I'm going to bend over backwards. I'm going to, I'm going to add all this stuff in. And when we're done with it, we have slashed our rates so immensely that we aren't even turning a profit. And that's again, where the power dynamic shift happens in that same way in the first sign it changed it into this person's, the person on the other end thought, you're going to fix this for me. The person on the other end of this is, you're going to make this cheap for me. You're, you're working for me. And in any situation with coaching, it has to be a level playing field, meaning that there is a shared expectation and shared agreement for the services, for the value you present. If you are undercharging for your services, your client is going to undervalue your services. Think about that. What is the perception of someone you work with that cuts the price by 50%? Do you think that it's 50% more valuable? No, probably not. You're like, well, I'm only paying $100 for this. I got a great deal. But you're not investing in their services and value in the same way that you would hope others would invest in you. So this is absolutely, Lori, I used to do this just to get the work, but no more. I prefer to walk away than undersell myself. I'm the expert and I'm worth the price. Absolutely. That is so important. And, and that's what it comes down to. If you don't value the work that you do, if you don't stick to your guns and say, no, this is what it is and here's what I can do for you, it will create a precedent for scope creep. It's going to create that expectation of you work for me. And that person is never going to fully invest in the process and see you as the expert. So here's how it shows up. 
in your business? Well, we talked about this. So what is it really? It's scarcity, fear of rejection, lack of confidence, and you're in the story of the person, not the facts. Now, the person that tries to get a lower price isn't a bad person. They may have their own issues around investing in themselves and around scarcity. But it's about not assuming, not getting into the story, but asking those questions of what does your budget look like? And then sticking to your value and where can you negotiate? Maybe it's providing less service, but if you know that once you invest full out, that person is going to get an exponential amount of results, then that's where you want to go. So here's how it shows up. In your business, you work too freaking hard. You are trying so hard to please the other person that you are way exceeding the, the number of hours you should be working on that, which means that you are not focusing on bringing high paying clients that recognize your value. So your bank account gets hurt and you're not going to work with the clients that you want and you're going to get resentful. If you have a client that is not paying what they want, you are going to get pissed. It starts out as an annoyance of like, oh man, they keep bugging me for more things. And then they keep interrupting you and taking up more time and you get frustrated. And then, and then usually the relationship will break down. You or the other person will get fed up because you're not getting what you, you each want or need. So on the other end of this, your clients are not gonna invest in themselves. They're not gonna appreciate the full value. There's gonna be huge boundary violations and they're not going to increase their own perceived value. They're not going to see themselves as more valuable because you haven't asked them to. So this is probably coming up a lot as you're getting started in your business or in your position, or if you're feeling insecure about things. So take a look at your prices and say, is this accurate? Is this valid? Do I need to increase it? just taking a sip of water. I'm doing a lot of talking. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> here we go. Sign three. So this is one that I have seen show up huge in the last couple months um, around hard conversations, whether it's about um, boundaries with working from home or how do I talk to people of color about race? How do I bring this up? Uh, I don't want to offend people. So this shows up all the time. And I was talking to some coaches about, you know, are you checking in with your clients around psychological safety? And they said, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to bring this up. I don't want to say something offensive. And this is where tiptoeing comes in. It's like when you talk around the issue, but you don't actually say what you need to say, or you don't create the space to have the honest conversation. So it's almost like sugarcoating things or like being nice about something when we really need to be honest. And as coaches, when this shows up, we avoid saying the things that our clients need to hear. So if we are noticing that they're not being accountable, that they're not showing up full out and we're not calling them on it, then that is allowing the past behaviors that didn't work for them to be reinforced. It says, mm, this makes me feel too, feel too uncomfortable. I'm not going to bring it up. And they translate it as, well, if my coach didn't say anything, then I'm okay. You know, because they're, they're there to call me out. And if they're not saying anything, then that means that I'm, I'm good, right? So you have to think about what are the topics that you're not comfortable around and how do you get over yourself? 
How do you not make it about you and make it about the client? So if you're in sales, this comes up when you make it about surface level issues. You know, maybe it's around pricing or deliverables, but if you're not talking about the main issues in purchasing or the main issues they're experiencing, then you are missing a huge opportunity to be able to resolve their issue. And ultimately that's what this is in coaching. We are looking at the issue beyond the issue and we gotta be willing to dig deep and be able to call out what we see and bring it to the surface. So if you're not comfortable, if you are afraid to do this, this is a huge opportunity to work with a coach, to work with someone that you trust to bring it to the surface. Because the more that you avoid it, the more potential harm you can be doing. So what this really is, excuse me, is conflict avoidance. We're afraid of being judged and we're not confident because we might not have had experiences that we can lean on. Maybe we had an experience where we had a hard conversation and we got our head bit off. Someone yelled at us or someone said, you're not right. So we have to look at where we're not feeling confident and where we're in the stories and not the facts. So this is what it does. We are missing huge opportunities. We're avoiding the opportunities for frank and honest conversation. This is where transformation can happen for our clients. We are given permission to go there. They are saying, please help me help myself because no one else has been able to do this. And the people who typically have this tough exterior have put up so many walls that they know exactly what to say to deflect and to avoid this. And it's up to us as coaches to dig in with them, to call it out, to show them what we see, to show them what we notice and to help them work through that. But if we are not confident enough to see, to say what we see, then they are assuming everything's good. So they're not hearing what they need to hear. They're not achieving their goals and they're repeating the same cycles and they're not moving forward. And when clients don't feel like they're moving forward, they feel like they're wasting their time and their money which means that they are not going to refer you and they're not gonna re-up with you. So this is a huge issue. It breaks down the trust because there is an assumed mutual agreement that you in the role of a coach are going to, to be honest and direct and help them achieve their goals. And if you aren't ready to do that, then this is the opportunity to expose it in yourself, to put it on the table, to make more progress happen where you can build that confidence and flex that muscle. All right. Number four, over promising. This one goes hand in hand with our underpricing. So when we over promise, we are stepping outside of our lane. We're out of our zone of genius. We're out of our expertise. And we say yes to everything. We say, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm a health and wellness coach, but I actually will help. I will totally help you get out of debt. Uh, I can absolutely do that. Oh, uh, you know what? I focus in, in financial, my financial coaching, but I see that your relationship is breaking down. And yes, I absolutely have a niche and I can help you with your relationship problems. So there are a lot of things that coaches can do. There are a lot of tactics and tools and processes that help on a universal level. 
So one could argue, yes, coaches can do everything. But if you don't have experience, if you don't have a process, if you don't know what you're doing and you say, absolutely, I can do this, you are on your heels and you're in reactive mode trying to compensate. You're trying to fill up the promises that you guaranteed. So when you're over-promising, you are most likely under-delivering. And when you underdeliver, you are setting yourself up for unmet expectations. You are overextending the amount of hours and effort you're putting forth, and your clients are not getting what they need. They're saying, you promised me this, where is it? So you're going to spend most of your time researching and building worksheets and writing eBooks and looking up what other coaches are doing and asking other, uh, you know, message boards, what do I do here? Instead of just focusing on what is my lane, what do I do best, where have I gotten results, and where do I feel most confident? So what it really is, is a fear of rejection. We don't want people to say, no, that doesn't work for me. Uh, And we don't want people to not like us. We so want people to say, oh, they're so great. They say yes to everything. They just show up. They're so dependable. And we're afraid of being exposed. We, we don't want people to think that we don't know what we're doing or that we're not capable of doing things. And what it's really about is we're afraid of lost business. We have so much fear around not making enough money, not having new clients come in, that we say yes to things that are outside of what we do. Actually, earlier today, I just got a message saying, hey, do you do relationship coaching? And I'm like, no. But past me, like four years ago, me would have said, well, I can do it. I can make it happen. So if any of you guys are are relationship coaches, let me know Uh, after the fact, I'm happy to refer you. But when we say yes to things that are not in our scope, then we are doing scope creep on ourselves. We're overextending and we're under delivering. So this is how it impacts our business and our clients. We are acting out of our zone of genius. We are putting way too much effort in. Like our return on investment is never going to be there. Like we're probably going to be negative from hours to what we're charging. We're wasting time. We're killing our profit and we're watering down our brand and value. There's something to be said about when we are specific about our niche, that people will gravitate towards that. When people say, oh, Lauren's known for building confidence and and helping people really own their leadership presence. They know who to refer but if you are a catch-all, if you're a jack of all trades in coaching, then people don't really think of you top of mind. They may think of you like after they've kind of thought of the first three to five people, but you're not going to be the first person that comes up. And this jack of all trades mindset worked really well when I was in corporate because I could do everything. I could make things work. But what ended up happening is people would start to, uh, overload me with things because I was quote unquote, so dependable uh, to the point where I was exhausted and burnt out. But that's another story. What this really does is it makes you the target. When you make promises that you can't produce on, people get pissed. If you've had a coach in the past that said, I'm going to help you make six figures uh, in three months and you don't do it, you're going to blame that coach. So you have to be very very conscious and very aware of what is coming out of your mouth, what guarantees and promises you're making. And if you can't deliver it, you, you should not be promising it. And this is why contracts are so important and shared agreements are so important. So this is where trust breaks down with you and your clients. 
you have to make sure that you have mutually agreed upon terms that their expectations and goals are reasonable and realistic for what you can do and what they're willing to put in because coaching is a two-way street too the the coaching only works when the client is open and ready it doesn't work when they are depending on you for the answer so if they're not moving forward and you've made a big promise they're going to blame you for their lack of progress all right the last one and this is a this is an interesting one because this can come up in many different ways uh, I, I originally called this the how does that make you feel loop uh, but I decided to just make it about looping because this really is more about being stuck in the same process so meaning that you are only following a script that you're not improvising that you're not trusting your gut and your intuition that you're using the same tools over and over for every client and this is where that first example of when coaches put you into their system this is looping so it's saying when you enter this here's my process you will do these five things and you will have x result and that's not the reality everyone has their own blocks their own limitations their own stuff that they are processing through and yes you should absolutely have a coaching process for onboarding and for key benchmarks and things that you're going to do but every client is different and so when you go into looping you are repeating the same process over and over and anticipating the same result but the problem is that every person is coming in with their own factors and variables so you have to have some level of uh, adaptability, flexibility to be able to work in the moment. So looping shows up a little bit like this. I saw this show up on um, at a live group session uh, with an ICF uh, session. And there was this moment where we were prompted to ask an open, empowering question. And no joke, five out of seven said, how did that make you feel? Mm. How did that make you feel? Mm. And how did that make you feel? And it was the most infuriating thing I have ever been a part of. I mean, that's, that's probably a little bit of hyperbole, but it was so frustrating because I know what they were trying to do, but really what it was is they didn't have an empowering question to ask. So they defaulted on their comfort zone. They went back to, well, what's that catch all question that can buy me some time. And if you've been coaching a while, you can pick it out because it's almost what they teach you in coaching school of how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? And clients, some of them care about their emotions. Some of them really want to dig into their feelings, but this is where it starts to border on therapy and counseling which is not what coaches do. We are here to move people from the present to the future and sticking in people's emotions, make them activate it and makes them feel this, this dependency on the coach to tell them, how does it make you feel to dig into that? And what they really need from us is to move forward. So there are a lot of coaches out there that sit in this, how does this make you feel loop knowing full well that it's not advancing their clients and it makes the money, but what it does is it prevents results. It prevents forward movement, which is why people come to coaching. So this is something to be very aware of. And I have fallen into this when I'm like, I don't know what to ask. And I definitely have asked people, how does that make you feel more than once in a session? But it's understanding it when it comes up. So this is why it shows up. There's, there's this fear of leaving the comfort zone. If, if I don't 
if I do something different, I'm not sure how it's going to show up. I'm not sure how it's going to land. So this is where that internal trust comes in of what is it that I actually want to ask? What am I tiptoeing around? See how these all kind of connect together? And it's stuckness. It's staying in this pattern of this is what I've always done. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is my safety zone. I don't want to go into the big bag world of new tactics and, and tools. Um, and we don't want to fail. We don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. And so imposter syndrome shows up like, who am I as a coach if I can't get results? Or who am I to, to say this? Um, so we stick to what we know because we're there and we're expected to do things. So this is what it does. We are limited in our strategy. There's only so far that we can move our clients with this. They're going to acknowledge how they feel and they may feel frustrated, but they may not tell you. And they're not going to achieve their goals because only talking about one thing, only keeping them in one pattern doesn't move them to a new way of thinking. It keeps them stuck in that same cycle. So as a result, you're not going to get those amazing reviews. You're not going to get those referrals and you're going to have a decrease in your revenue. So it's probably showing up more than you think it is. And this is not to give you a complex, but to, to heighten that awareness so that you can elevate people and elevate yourself into a more honest, more proactive and more results focused coaching. Okay. So we've talked about the five signs. If you've seen these show up, which one is showing up most for you uh, in the way that you're coaching, in the way that you're leading? Uh, maybe there's another interpretation of it. I'd love to get your thoughts on it because we're going to dive into what we can do about the fear. So I want to first hear how, is, how has fear shown up for you? Definitely underpricing. Mm -hmm. Anybody see the looping show up for them? Underpricing when put on the spot or asked for a discount. Yes, this shows up big time. Cool. So we're going to spend the next couple minutes and give you some tools and processes to handle any of the fear that shows up, what we can do about it, how we can move through it, how we can make things awesome for everybody. Yes, Bob, failure to have the tough conversation, you know what to ask, but it's not asked. Yeah, definitely. So here's, here are some things that I've worked with on clients and created processes for. So I'm going to share some, some secret stuff with you guys. So what do you do when your car has a flat tire? And I don't know if they have this outside of the US, so that's, that's a clue. <laughs> so what do you do when your car is a flat tire? Change it, fix it. Yep, call, I'm assuming that's AAA, call A-R-A-C. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as the answer. You're correct, Sarah. You call AAA. <laughs> and AAA is not the, uh, the car service that comes and takes care of everything, but it is an acronym that can help you when you are in your fear. There are three sections of it that you can move through. The first A is 
acknowledge, acknowledge it, acknowledge that you have fear coming up. What do you see? What is coming up? And where do you feel it? So when you say, where do you feel it? Where do you feel it in your body? Your body is this amazing, like first warning system, whether it's tightness in your temple, weight on your shoulders, a queasiness in your stomach, pressure in your heart, you feel it. So you have to bring attention to it because what tends to happen <clears throat> is we don't, we shove it to the side, but it's still there. And so we can't be fully present if we're trying to avoid this feeling from being exposed. So, <clears throat> <clears throat> so fear shows up where we're either obsessed with things that have gone wrong in the past, we're afraid of how things may go in the future. So what we can't do is focus on the present, which is where all of our power is. So the first step is all about acknowledging that something's coming up. So what are we hearing? What are we seeing? This depersonalizes it. This says, what is this versus why am I wrong or what's going wrong for me? You can see all of these thoughts coming up. So in, in Sarah's uh, explanation or in Sarah's description of how fear showed up is she's clear on her pricing, but when she is on the spot or when someone asks for a discount, it stokes the flame of fear. So if we think about it, what is it? What is the fear saying? It's asking you, are you sure? Are you believing your value? Are you confident enough to say, this is my price and this is what I do and I value myself? So when this stuff comes up, we usually have a lot of sensation around our heart and maybe we have some tension in our body, but this physical experience is there to tell us to time out, to take a breath in the same way we started today, taking that deep breath and getting very clear on what's important to us. So we acknowledge the fears there and then we assess what is this fear? What is this feeling asking us for? What do I need right now? Or what did I need in that moment? And what do I want? What's my objective? So let's, let's continue on Sarah's example here. So when the fear showed up, what was it asking you to pay attention to when you had that call? What was your goal and your objective? The goal and the objective is not about getting the client. It's about getting the client that values you and is going to pay your price. It's about creating a mutually beneficial relationship that you know you can show up in a powerful way. And part of that may be saying no. So maybe what you need to do is to clarify what are the type of clients you want to work with? What is the energy that works best for you? What is that mutually beneficial fit that allows the relationship to move forward? So maybe you want to have clients that respect your prices. Maybe you need to build out your value proposition so that you have it in front of you when you are on the spot. Maybe you need to have more of those talking points so that you aren't feeling like you have to throw something out out of nowhere. So think about your objective, which is to, to have those clients that work for you. What do you want? You want people to pay the prices that you know you deserve. What do you need? Your talking points. 
And then moving forward, we're going to apply it. So we can think about all of these things where fear showed up for us before, and we can think about when this showed up, when this thing that didn't go right came about, what lesson did I learn? And what can I do differently moving forward? See, fear shows up because it replays our past. And it's saying, this is going to happen again. I don't want this to happen again. But what it's not doing is giving you a strategy on how you can move forward and how you can apply the things that didn't work out in a way that works for you going forward. So this is where we can start to convert the fear, the thing that stopped us into an asset. It's there to give us a strategy to fill in the gap. Does that make sense? It is there to highlight the thing that you didn't pay attention to, that you needed to, that you can now. This is not about beating yourself up for not doing it correctly before, but about creating the space to be curious about what you need to move forward. Maybe you need a little bit more time to prep. Maybe you need to do more research. Maybe you need to ask more questions. So the strategy helps to build a bridge over the unknown. That unknown gap, you can build a strategy that creates the bridge to lead you to the goal and the objective that you want to create. And this can be applied to any of those five signs. You can go and try it out with anything that you do. It's all about pausing first and breathing and acknowledging it, asking those curious questions, assessing and applying. It's not about getting into that knee-jerk reaction and defaulting to past behaviors that didn't work for us, but about elevating us into a new way of being that works for us. So I have reframed what fear is. That first piece about forget everything and react can now be freedom enacted by active reflection. Those questions that we asked before are about creating the space, creating that freedom for us to reflect. But we have to be intentional about it. We have to pause, create a new space, get it out of our head, put it on paper, doodle, talk it out, whatever you need to do to create the detachment from your internal story. This is where strategy is built. Strategy is not in story. Strategy is built in facts and data. And when you don't have facts and data, your brain will fill in the gaps and will make the story. So this is where you can create those bridge moments from what you know, what you want, and what's in between. So these are some general points here that can help you along your way. You're going to notice the gaps. Those questions where you feel uncertain or unsure about what can happen, this is your opportunity to say, what am I missing? And then ask the questions, what do you need? Maybe it's accountability. Maybe it's details. Maybe it's more information and resources, or maybe it's support. And this is where having a coach, having a mentor, having a support group can help move you forward. But you need to be very clear and intentional on what you need. Not everyone has the skill set to help. Sometimes support groups, mastermind groups, project fear. There are some great ones out there, but I would highly encourage you to do your research on the coaches you work with, the groups you get involved with, and what you actually need. Because if you see people sitting in their fear and, it, and you can smell it a mile away, it will only activate the fear in you. Or you start to compare yourself because they seem more successful than you 
and why aren't you doing it? So you've got to be very intentional about all of these things and ask those questions and not expect someone else to have the answer for you. And once you have that, then you can build the plan and you can execute on that. See, just that simple, four steps. So this is something that I created on Monday. I had, uh, not on Monday, that was a holiday. On Tuesday, I had a session uh, with a client in Hong Kong and he has been dealing with stress. Like you guys think uh, the US is bad with lockdown. He has been locked down for over eight months uh, with political unrest, with the coronavirus. It, is, it has been really challenging for him. And in addition, he is dealing with a, um, an acquisition of another company that's just high stress, lots of culture clash. And he takes it personally when things don't go the way that he wanted it to. So I created this nice little flow chart where he asked the question, am I doing my best? And so if the answer is yes, then his prompt is to collect all of the awesome evidence and to use it in the future as needed. Because what we tend to do is we assume everything should go as planned, but when it does, we're not actually taking stock of the awesome things that we're doing, of the things that we're doing to move things forward. So we have to use that opportunity when things do, do go as planned, when things are at our best, that we're, we're uh, documenting that and storing that for later. And when we're feeling like we're not doing our best, then we can ask ourselves the question, what do I need to do my best? Do I need more rest, more resources, more support, more guidance, a break, expertise, a plan, a decision? When we can do this, we depersonalize it. We don't make it about us. We make it about the issue at hand. We make it about the gap. And so then we go to the question of what do we need to move forward? Who do I need it from? What do I need? And then we can map it out. So what does my best look like when I have what I need? See, it's just, it's just like three steps here. But the biggest thing is to just ask the question, am I doing my best? And a lot of times we are doing our best. We're doing the best we can with what we have. We are all in this new stage of having constricted uh, resources, time, space. We're all taxed out, but it's being realistic and reasonable with what is possible with what we have and acknowledging that we're doing the best we can. And sometimes that's all that's gonna happen and it's okay. And if it's not okay with people, then that's on them. So what's next? Well, we can have a little Q&A, but if you guys wanna chat more about this, you can schedule a 30-minute virtual coffee with me. I've already got a couple, uh, couple of them scheduled with some of you on here already, but feel free to schedule a time to dive into any of these fears, any of the things that are showing up for you that you need some support on. We talked about having, having a third party really help you dig into these things. It's what I love to do. Uh, I love to convert fear into an asset and help people strategize their next steps. So I'll be emailing you guys with this link too. So even if you don't uh, write it down, I will send it to you. You will not miss it. And uh, thanks so much, Annette. That's awesome. And for you guys, we have a daily check-in. That same person that I was talking about with the flowchart. I created a one-cheater daily check-in for you to monitor your energy, your confidence, your intention, and your insights. 
So this is all available for free. You just got to put your, your email address in there and you'll get the PDF of it. Um, and you can print it out as many times or you can actually, I think, save it as, as a JPEG if you have an iPad and you can actually doodle over it. But it's just there to give you some objectivity, um, to have some distance between what's going on in your head and what's actually happening for you to be able to assess things. So I'm going to put my, my video, I don't know if you guys have been seeing me, but I'm going to stop sharing for a second and then you guys can see me and we can have some Q&A. All right, how are you guys doing? Do you wanna unmute yourself? Do you have any questions? Oh, I'm gonna put my headphones in, ha <laughs> ha. All right, anybody have any questions? Hey Lauren, it's Rebecca. Well, I can't, why can't I hear you? Hold on, it's me. There we go. Um, great presentation. I loved it, and uh, yeah, like I love that you're Spitfire because I feel I always feel the fire coming out of you. Like <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but anyway, um, I just wanted to like share something that might be helpful because. Um, I felt like I was stuck for a really long time with my business, kind of like in this like literally in a box where I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. And most recently, um, I think what's been triggering me and, and we kind of touched on this is like, um, all the, all the manipulation around us right now. And it really triggers me when I see people sort of like, um, going for like, I think you said this the other day when we talked, it was like, uh, transactions rather than transformations. And so, um, one thing that I just want to offer, which completely was a game changer for me, was like slowing everything down. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in the middle of un enrolling someone right now, and it's it's been like two weeks for the enrollment process. And you might think, oh my God, that's so long, or like what if they drop out of it, or you know, what if what if this is enough or it's too slow paced and they just want to be impulsive. But at the end of the day, like what you've been talking about is like, like if that client is right for me, like not only are they going to be right there with me in that slower process, we talked about pricing last night and, um, you know, he said, oh, wow, kind of thing. And, and I, I said, you should have a reaction like that. And I felt so confident in my pricing and I wasn't like getting those fears like I've gotten in the past about are they not going to be able to afford it and all that kind of stuff and i just for whatever reason i just feel like i'm in a groove with my business and and a lot of it was like letting go of the fear and just really trusting that the clients i want to work with are coming to me being able to identify if they're not and being able to refer them if they're not you know staying in my swim lane and the more I'm doing that and the more I understand my value and how I price things, like the slower I can go to make sure that that client is making the decision that is right for them. And that is what's most important to me. Absolutely. I just felt like saying that. I don't know why, but like, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody else, but it feels so much better to me. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's spot on. Like that first image that I showed of the, the cycle, fear makes everything feel like it has to go fast. It creates this like false urgency 
that like, I have to do all the things. It has to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, it's not meant to be. And I think that when we get into that pace assumption is when we start to lose control, when we start to lose that power, but letting go of the expectation of the timeline of the pace allows the space for the client to make the decision for them. Yeah, and I think that sets it up where it doesn't flow into some of the other things you touched upon, which is like, did I just overpromise, or am I addressing something that really isn't my area of expertise? Because that, as you mentioned, piles the fear on too. It's like mm -hmm. extra pressure that we have to perform a certain way or measure up. Um, and when all of that's not there, it's like, it, it's, it can really be about the client. Like you said, it's not about us. It's really about what the client needs and what the client wants. Absolutely. Awesome insights. Anybody else have questions or observations, takeaways? Anybody? <laughs> all right. Well, I, I am all for wrapping three minutes early, but I'm going to send an email out to everybody with those links. If you want to schedule a 30 minute with me complimentary to dive into this further, if you're more comfortable one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, and I will also send the link out for that daily check-in, but I just want to thank you guys so much for your time, for your participation in the chat. It always makes things that much more interactive when you're talking to a rectangle. Um, but thank you guys so much. If you have any questions, you can uh, send me an email, lauren at spitfirecoach.com. And you guys have an awesome rest of your week and uh, slow the pace down. It's all good. <laughs> thank you, Lauren. This is really helpful to know. I'm not the only one with all this craziness going on uh, between my ears around coaching. Yes, we all have it. <laughs> that's the only, that's the major takeaway. This is not uh independent to one person. These are universal fears. These are things that have shown up for so many people. And the people who aren't talking about it are just burying them in their closet. So thank you guys so much. If you have questions, let me know. And you guys keep being awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Thank you.